Well, welcome to our live stream service. This is for, of course, Wednesday night. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, as usual, download the newsletter from our website and keep up with the prayer request and that type of thing and keep up with uh, giving and other things like that. And just know that in spite of some of the things that are going on, the Lord is still blessing and the Lord is still using you. And even though I know um, the way we're having to meet right now, you may not feel as connected, but you really are. And your prayers matter and your support of other people matters. I appreciate encouraging words that uh, people have given me and I certainly appreciate your prayers. And uh, other people will do the same. So when you see a need or know of something that somebody is going through where you can help or give an encouraging word, Put a card or note in the mail, send a text or anything you can do like that makes a big, big difference in someone else's life. And um, what I've found is it also blesses me whenever I do something like that. You know, uh, the old saying where people say I went to see somebody to encourage them and they ended up encouraging me. That's just the way the Christian life works, isn't it? As we invest in others and as we kind of put ourselves out there, uh, we get blessed in return. Now, I wish it were 100%. Uh, sometimes you reach out to other people and maybe they don't respond. But don't let one or two people stop you from gaining a blessing because of, um, you know, when you quit, when you stop, when you get your feelings hurt or something and you shut yourself off. Well, there are a lot of other people who really would enjoy it and receive it and reciprocate so just keep on the more seed you scatter in other words the more opportunities you have for a crop for a harvest to come in um, the bible talks about sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully and uh, you know i know some people they'll do something like they try to witness once it didn't work out so well so they just quit and say that's not for me well they're not going to reap much of a harvest are they and I know the same thing is true with praying or with giving or with encouraging other people. It's kind of the thing where you have to scatter a lot of seed in order to get a harvest in. And also understand this, the harvest is not instantaneous. It may be that you give and you claim the promise, you know, that a give and it shall be given unto you. You know that verse. And uh, yet the Lord promises he is going to take care of you and he's going to give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, but he didn't promise to do it today. And sometimes when a farmer puts a seed into the ground, uh, he may not get a crop for months. A lot of times, like around here, wheat is planted, what, in September or October and not harvested until June. But let me also say this. If you plant an apple tree seed today... You're not going to get a harvest probably for years, but it will come in. And the Bible gives us a promise that we will reap if we don't faint. And the word faint there is not our word for passing out. It's a word for getting discouraged, for losing heart. So let me encourage you on this prayer meeting night. Make it a prayer meeting night. And uh, spend some time with God on behalf of your fellow church members and praying for our nation and praying for people who are going through so much turmoil, praying for some of these cities, Seattle and Portland. I mean, we get a little bit uh, aggravated at some of the way people think and what they do, 
But do we ever spend any time praying for them? There are good people in those cities who are caught up in all of that who don't want the mess that they're in and uh, they're really suffering. Pray for churches like Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California and Dr. John MacArthur and the things that are going on there. Um, Pray for uh, other churches who are just struggling. Maybe their offerings have kind of tanked during this time. Maybe they don't have the capability of doing what we're doing right now. And so they really are struggling in staying connected. Pray for your sister churches. And uh, pray for your neighbors. Maybe do a prayer walk in your neighborhood sometimes when it kind of cools off a little bit uh, in late evening. And um, there are a lot of ways where we can invest in the kingdom of God, and I would encourage you to do that, okay? So God bless you as you do that, and we love you, and we want to be able to help you. You can call the office, and you can email us, or you can go to the church website, or however you need to, and we would love to uh, help you and support you during these times, okay? Uh, We are ready for a new psalm. We've been doing a lot of psalms on Wednesday nights for a long time now. And uh, we're going to go to Psalm 64. So if you go ahead and turn in your Bibles and uh, get to that. And I want to introduce it by reading a quote from a book. It says, Because David was a man after God's own heart, he had many enemies. Whether they were people close to him men like Saul or Absalom or their co- and their cohorts, or foreign nations that threatened Israel's borders, David was often surrounded by many foes. And that seems to be the context of what he is talking about in Psalm 64. Now let's uh, let that inform us about something. David was a man after God's own heart. We would suppose and wrongly, that being a man after God's own heart means that everything we touch turns to gold, that we always have open doors, and we always have, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, good weather, and uh, everything's positive, and everything's great. It's the blessing of God. Well, that's not really what the Bible teaches. Jesus told us that in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Bible says those who desire to live godly in this life shall suffer persecution. And so there are things that come upon us. You know, when the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, well, let's also put it this way. It also storms on the just and the unjust. And there are nations where righteous people live, where there are wars and terrorism and famine and problems like that. And the Lord sees his people through those things and allows them to be in the midst of those things so that they might be a testimony for Christ, an ambassador for Christ, and also a blessing to other people who are suffering. So David, because he is a man of God, after God's own heart, he has enemies. Think about how many psalms where he cries out to the Lord for help, for strength and deliverance, And it's not because of sin, it's not because of wrongdoing, it's because of righteousness. And the world hates the Lord, and the world hates those who are indwelt by the Lord, and those who represent the Lord, and those who look like Jesus as they live on this earth. And so let's 
read this psalm, and I'm going to read all of it, and then uh, probably just talk about a couple of verses today. And David says in Psalm 64, 1, Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion or the conspiracy of the workers of iniquity. Verse 3, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. And what are those arrows? He tells us bitter words. Verse 4, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. That would be David and people who support him. Suddenly they shoot at him and they do not fear. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of laying snares secretly, and they say, who will see them? And they devise iniquities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme, both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. But God will shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So he will make them stumble over their own tongue. All who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider his doing. Verse 10, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. So, you notice here that David is in a situation. And what is a situation? It seems to be a situation where he's got some rumors swirling around. You know, Jesus talked about there will always be wars and rumors of wars. And you know, sometimes the rumors of war are actually a little bit worse and a little bit more paralyzing than the actual war is. Uh, to explain that... If uh, you think about American history, for example, when you go back into the 1930s, especially the late 30s, when uh, people like Hitler were gaining power in Germany and um, what was it, 1938, he invades Poland and that type of thing. When you think about Mussolini and Italy joining forces with Hitler, and then Hirohito in Japan joining forces with both of those. Well, there was a lot of stuff swirling around the world at that time. And nobody knew what to do. And America was doing its best to try to stay out of the war. In fact, um, even after the war began between Germany and England, um, Churchill was desperately trying to get Roosevelt to join forces with them because he knew he could not win the war without the help of America. But America didn't really want to do anything. But there was a lot of talk and there's a lot of things swirling around about it. And uh, we were kind of afraid, you know, if we jump in the middle of it, which side do we go on? And will we just make things worse? Will people get more angry? And, you know, what's, what's going to happen? Then the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And when the actual war came, America rallied. 
America was unified, both Republicans and Democrats. Wouldn't that kind of be refreshing? And they were saying, the slogan was, remember Pearl Harbor, and we went to war, and we converted our factories to making airplanes and bombs and weapons and munitions, all of those kind of things, and it was a pretty amazing thing, and uh, we won that war. But then after that, we entered into the Cold War. What was the Cold War? Cold War was, well... You know, somebody in Russia may hit a button and fire a missile over here that's got a nuclear warhead on it. What are we going to do? And the arms race ensued, and there were fallout shelters, and there were drills in schools, you know, in case there was some kind of a nuclear attack. And uh, on and on that would go. Because the rumors of war, they can be anything, and your mind can take them anywhere. When it's an actual war, you know a little bit more about what you're dealing with. So when you hear David using terms like secret and uh, hidden and those kind of terms in here, this is David as he is sitting and thinking about what could happen, what he's afraid is going to happen, what his advisors tell him are going to happen, what the quote-unquote experts think that the enemy is going to do, uh, just like now. And sometimes... We can make things bigger and worse because of fear than they actually are. So I want you to look at the first couple of verses. And let's just think about what David is praying and why he is praying. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation and preserve my life from fear. We could kind of end it there because that's the thrust. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, right? From the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. So this kind of gives us the idea that what David was facing, that uh, it might have been from outside of Israel, outside of their borders, okay? But it seems as though the outsiders, the enemies of Israel were somehow manipulating the people, maybe even in David's own government, in his own court. Russian collusion, maybe. Uh, something like that. And so we find that David is just stewing over all of this, thinking over all of this, thinking about the possibilities, and again, building it up in his own mind. And so he turns to God. That's what we ought to do. Those are good words for us today. What are we going to do? It seems like whatever you uh, article you read, you read one thing about COVID-19, it's no big deal, it's just a bad case of the flu. You read another article and, oh, by the time this thing mutates and all of that, we're all going to die. Which is it? We read about things about the economy. Well, it's been shut down, but it is kind of coming back. But even the comeback on it, well, it's being manipulated by the Federal Reserve or something else is happening, and boy, we're in for another crash. I mean, where do you land on that? We look at the election. Who's going to win? Who do you want to win? And uh, I think both sides are kind of nervous about it. The people that support Trump, they're wondering because of all of the things with the media, does he have a chance? But it's also kind of apparent, too, the Democrats are pretty nervous, too, because of the things that the press and the media is putting out on all of it about uh, Biden and about anti-Trump and all of that. Nobody seems to be relaxed or confident about all of it. We really don't know. 
And if you read much on social media, I'm telling you the liberals are afraid that if Trump is elected, America is over. And the people that support Trump are afraid that if Biden is elected, America is all over. And so we're all in a stew and fear and turmoil about all of this. And then you hear about China and you hear about Russia and you hear about their manipulation of the elections and all of this kind of stuff. And all of us have opinions about all of that, but none of us know 100% on any of it, do we? And so we look at this and we can find that our problems can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the root of all of that is, you ready? We're afraid. And we're afraid that the nation that we love might collapse. We're afraid that our children and our grandchildren might not have the same freedoms that we have. We're afraid that economically, as we uh, are preparing maybe for retirement or something like that, what's going to happen if everything collapses? What are we going to do? And on and on and on we can go. And I would remind you, the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, right? Uh, but we do have, and he mentions in there, Paul said, a sound mind. And the idea of a sound mind is proper thinking about things. Now, there are some things that are reasonable to, be, reasonable to be afraid of. You ought to be afraid of stepping out in front of cars going 80 miles an hour. That ought to bother you and cause you to step back. If a fire alarm goes off in your home in the middle of the night, you ought to be afraid of that. That's a legitimate fear. Paul is talking about the unreasonable, illegitimate fears that come upon us when we start thinking about what if and what could happen and all of these kind of things where we build them out of proportion. And so David does what we ought to do, and that is to turn to the Lord. Now, the first thing I want you to notice about these two verses in David's prayer is he prays out of a relationship to God. He calls out to God. Calls out to God. Why? Because he knew God. Because he is a follower of God. Because he's a man after God's own heart. And those of us who know the Lord, those of us who claim Christ as our Savior and our Lord, that ought to be the thing that we do. In fact, prayer, if it is your last resort, you need to make some changes. Because prayer, instead of being your last resort, it ought to be your first resource. It ought to be the way you start your day. It ought to be the first thing you do whenever you're faced with fear or unknown or problems or trials or waves of grief or whatever. It ought to be that you turn unto the Lord. And David mentions two things here. He talks about hear my voice. You know, some prayers are voiced. And then he also talks about hear the, my voice in meditation. Did you know that because of the priesthood of the believer, you can communicate with the God of the universe without ever saying a word through your lips? And that's good news because there are some times when you would look like a fool if you just started crying out to God, maybe in the middle of a Walmart aisle or something like that. But you can go there anytime you want to in your mind. Your heart can be in the presence of God, and He knows your thoughts. He knows everything that you are thinking. Sometimes I find myself, because of things I've been taught in the past, you know, show me how I can pray specifically for you. As if, if I don't get every fact right and every name right, God doesn't know what I'm talking about. Well, 
I don't mean that to say be casual about your prayer and just be nonspecific about it. I'm just simply saying this. Sometimes we have a little bit of guilt because our memory is not always good or because we don't have all the facts right and yet God knows exactly what we're talking about, what our concern really is, and he hears that. And David is praying to the Lord saying, I don't know what's going on, but I'm confident that I can come to you even in the meditation of my heart and God hears even that unspoken prayer because of our relationship. Here he is praying about something that is the biggest problem of all. It's not the action of the enemy that David is most concerned with. Okay, listen to that. It's not the action and activity of the enemy that David is concerned with. David is concerned with the fear in his own heart. And that's where you get into trouble. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of what's going on around you. God's got this and he's in control. And fear is paralyzing most of the time. I was uh, thinking about uh, maybe with the economy or something like that. You know you need to invest for your retirement. But you're scared to death that the stock market's going to crash again. So you don't invest. Okay? 20 years from now... What is going to happen? You're going to look and say, oh, maybe I should have invested anyway, but fear paralyzed you. And there are a lot of times when fear just stops us in our tracks. What if I do this? David, as a king, has a whole lot more than you and I have on us because his decisions could start a war. His decision could wreck the economy. His decision could make a difference whether people in his kingdom eat or not. And so David looks at all of the things around him and all of the problems that could come up and he doesn't know what to do. And sometimes that leads a king to do nothing. You've been in that position, kind of, not to that extreme, but you know what that is. Well, because of your relationship with God, you can cry out to him even in the meditation of your heart. And secondly, we'll kind of uh, pick up on uh, the last part of that. Pray to strengthen faith. You see, fear is destructive because it paralyzes. Sometimes John MacArthur said it is much more detrimental than the actual assault. I mean, when the assault comes, you know exactly what to do. When it's just a rumor or a thought or a fear, you're not sure what to do. It can go either way. And so, of course, it paralyzes you, as we just said. And fear also can tell the enemy where to attack us, where it's going to hurt. You see, you have different vulnerabilities than I do, and I have different ones than you do. Now, some of them may be the same, but uh, they may be very different. We're very different people sometimes. I always think about Job chapter 3, verse 25. And Job's testimony is, For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. And so if you sit around worrying and having anxiety and, and you're afraid of what's going to happen, well, the enemy sees that and they seize upon that. See what I did there? And what they do is they attack you knowing that that's where you're the most vulnerable, just like Job. So fear is an enemy and fear is an invitation to defeat. And fear that causes us to doubt God's promises is sin. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, 
Uh, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Boy, that would have been a great word for David, but he didn't have the New Testament, but you do. So you don't have any excuse on all of that. Reject fear, trust in the Lord, and know this. Regardless of who's president, you still have Jesus as your Lord and as your king. Regardless of what the economy does, the Lord is still your shepherd and you shall not want. And regardless of what other people may think or do or how society goes or the culture goes, we still walk with the Lord on that narrow way and we're going upstream and he will see us through the rugged terrain and the tough times. And lastly, number three, pray because of God's omniscience. You see, we've got to understand there are a lot of things in this world we don't know and that's where our fear comes from. But here's the key. God does. God does. God knows. Notice how David talks about the secret plots. Well, we pray because of the things that we do not know. Do you ever do that? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the one who does know. And uh, don't let your fear increase, but let prayer kind of drain that fear and let it be replaced with faith. This uh, increases fear and anxiety. But when we understand that God knows and God controls, then we can relax and we can rest and we can trust in him. That'd be a great word for David as a king, but it's also a good word for us. I don't know what kind of corruption exists in Washington, D.C. I mean, I know some of it. You know some of it. But I don't know what's in the hearts of congressmen and women. I don't know what's in the heart of people in the cabinet. I don't know what's in the heart of uh, judges and people like that. But I do know that God knows. And God is not allowing any of their wicked plots or any of their wicked activities to overthrow his sovereign will or to thwart him prophetically or anything like that. It's all going according to God's timetable and pleasure. And God gets glory out of times like these in which we live. God evidently gets more glory out of it or he wouldn't allow it to happen. Think about this. David talked about rebellion. That kind of suggests an inside job. Uh, some translations call it a conspiracy. Now, there may be outsiders planning to attack and overthrow David. And it may be also that there are insiders who are jealous. Think about Absalom, his own son, and what he did and how it caused David to run for his life. David was keenly aware there is stuff going on that I know nothing about. Oh God, please help me. Well, can I remind you too? Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. And uh, he, he's talking about demons. And there's a lot of them. It's not just one devil that we're fighting. He's ultimately controlling the powers of darkness. But he can't be everywhere at once. So what does he do? He sends out other fallen angels, these ranks of demons. And they are everywhere. And they're ready to intimidate, to harass, to trip us up, to persecute. Whatever they can do. And whatever it is that they are allowed to do. And understand that even the powers of darkness have their limitations. They don't know everything, and they're not everywhere, and they're not all-powerful, and they can only exist 
in uh, their present capacity as long as the sovereign God allows them to. And when it's all said and done, even the devil and his demons become unwilling servants of God because God knows exactly what they're going to do before they ever do it. Someone said, nothing influences the quality of our life more than how we respond to trouble. Nothing influences the quality, and maybe I might change it to say nothing even reveals the quality of our spiritual life more than how we respond to trouble. And that's really true. You see, hard times don't always build character, but they certainly do reveal it. And there are times when we look and we say, oh, I don't know what to do. I need to pray more. Well, that's good, and I encourage that. But can I also ask you to consider this? If you need to pray more when times get tough, that only reveals that your prayer life was inadequate to begin with. Well, I've got all of this going on. I really need to search the Word of God. Good, good, go for it. But understand, that only reveals that your time in the Word was inadequate to begin with. We've got to make sure that we understand these tough times cause us like David to cry out to the Lord and to overcome the inadequacy of the past. Paul Tripp this morning um, said this, Take heart today. Your Savior actively sits in sovereign control over all of the things that confuse, overwhelm, surprise, or disturb you. Well, that's what David was seeking for in prayer, and that's what we can find as we spend time with our Lord and Savior. And I like that. Your Savior actively sits. He's not passively sitting. He's actively sitting, ruling and reigning from his throne at the right hand of God the Father, watching over you, meeting your needs, loving you, caring for you, guiding your steps, thwarting the enemy, defending you when you are accused, and loving you until the end, and ready to receive you whenever your time on earth has ended into his presence and into his kingdom and into that mansion that he has prepared for you. So as you've heard so many preachers say before, Papa Sam used to say it, and there are a lot of others who said it too. Yeah, it's getting dark, but it's getting gloriously dark because the darkest hour means dawn is just in sight. It may be the dawn of revival. It may be the dawn of spiritual awakening. It may be the dawn of victory in your life. It may be the dawn of a closer walk with God than you've ever seen before. It may be the dawn of answered prayer. And it may be the dawn of the coming of the Lord to claim His own. Whatever it may be, even so, come Lord Jesus. So turn to the Lord in prayer. That ought to be our first resource not our last resort, because God hears the cry of his children's heart. I pray the Lord blesses you, and thank you for taking these few minutes to look at the word of God, and may the Lord richly add to the reading of his word in your life and experience for his own glory. God bless you. I love you. Take care of yourself, and we'll look forward to meeting together again on Sunday morning at 1015.